Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of our special year in review edition of The Diz Unplugged. Coming up, we'll talk about your five most favorite or most memorable moments of 2015. Coming up next, from the Bob Varley studio in Orlando, Florida, this is The Diz Unplugged. This is The Diz Unplugged, episode 865 for the week of December 22nd, 2015. The Diz Unplugged is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show coming to you from the Bob Varley studio in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined in the studio this week by my associate producer, Rhino Clavin. Hello. Producer Craig Williams and our intern Steve Porter, both off camera right now. I thought they'd duck in. Sorry. uh, Last uh, last week or five minutes ago, depending on who you are and where you're sitting right now, uh, we talked about uh, the top the 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 numbers ten through six of your most memorable moments on the show from 2015. So. Today, this week, we count down the top five. Um, Number five is definitely not ever going to be considered a favorite moment, but it certainly was memorable. We started the last show talking about how uh, we had two new people join the team this year and how we like to pick on them. Of course, that's a lot of fun and that's funny, but it's not funny when you lose one of your own, as we did back on the September 22nd show when Dustin said his final goodbye uh, to the Diz Unplugged. So number five on our list of most memorable moments of 2015, Dustin's farewell. And that brings me to us, to the part of the show that I have been dreading, uh, the part where we, uh, we say goodbye yeah. to Dustin West. Um, uh, I've got some things to say, but I'm going to let you guys uh, say what you want first. And so, whoever wants to say something, I'll say- go. I um, you know, it, anytime somebody you know in the team leaves, it's it's always it's always difficult uh, in the company. And I, I think I just want to say on behalf of you know us and the listeners and the watchers, um, thanks for everything you've done to bring this show to where it is today. Yeah. And you know, wish you a lot of luck. Thank you. Well, and uh, for me, it means a lot because as much as, uh, you know, Pete and John also, you know, okayed me coming on and paying it, I wouldn't have this job if it wasn't for uh, your initiative in bringing this here. So, I mean, without you, I might still be, you know, cleaning up uh, puke, (laughs) almost at park, cleaning up puke and barf over at uh, Universal. So, no, I, I mean... I owe you my life right now, so. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Wow. Deep. <laughs> Deep. Uh, first of all, I want to let you know that you will be missed tremendously. Uh, you were a big part of the show. Obviously, absolutely. When we first went to video, I was not happy about it. I went Sorry. very, very, very reluctantly and was very upset about it. However, I've come to embrace it. And because of the things you've done, you've made it very easy for us. 
Um, it doesn't feel like we're on video. It just feels like we're all sitting around talking to each other. Mm -hmm. That's because of a lot of what you've done with how the studio looks and how the shows are structured. So I really appreciate that. Um, you sure will be missed with our live shows. Uh, one of the things that we could always count on was Dustin would make sure things went smoothly. And all we had to do was get behind the dais and tell stupid jokes and be on our way. So um, I really appreciate that, and we're going to miss you. Thanks. For sure. I'm going to miss you, Dustin. Miss you too, Kevin. And, you know, I knew Dustin before he came to work for the Diz. And we met you at the um, event for the listener in um, mm -hmm. Epcot. You were the first one I met. Yeah. Out of this whole bunch. Yeah. And we met at a Polynesian meet. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then he was there at the Polynesian meet. And then he came to the company. And I said, you've always been very nice. As a, as a mother, I think of you as like my son. Oh, thanks. Um, you know, I got to meet your family. They're all very nice. But you brought in enthusiasm to the podcast. And you dragged us all along into video. And, and now I can't think of doing it any other way. And, you know, you were always very nice to me. And I'm going to miss that. Thanks, Kathy. Uh, just as a new guy, thanks. <laughs> thanks for welcoming me. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Are you also a listener? Yeah. 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 I was a listener for a long time. Actually, the reason I started watching the show in the first place is because I was watching the segments afterwards a lot. And I, was, I didn't really watch the news segments really originally. I just Oh, liked, thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I liked the, the, it was a related video, it was a bracket video. Okay. And I watched that and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I watched a couple other segments and then I started watching the news segments every day, every week. And that's how it started. So thanks. Thank you. That's how a lot of people started. Dustin, you want to say anything before I... Yeah, well, well, first of all, I'll say I I really wasn't expecting that to be sat down and 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 talked to uh, uh, from you guys like that, and that it just means uh, a whole lot to me to to know that I will be missed, and I want you guys to know that uh, you will always uh, be missed by me as well. But I will be close by, not going anywhere. Just have some different things I got to do and different opportunities, and um, and even though I won't be on the shows. Um, I hope we all still stay in touch and, I hope so. and all that good stuff. And I also just want to reiterate to our listeners and viewers that you guys mean the world to me. It was great to meet uh, several of you uh, throughout the last three years. And uh, I'm just, I'm so glad that I was a part of this and uh, it will be missed. So thank you all really. Well, I want everyone to know that I, Dustin is leaving over my very strong objections. Uh, I have spent the last two weeks, and I am emotional about this. We've become very close. Yeah. Um, I spent the last two weeks trying to convince him to stay. Um, and I've also told him the door is open. I don't want him to leave, but this is something he needs to do. And, you know, uh, trying new things and, 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 and striking out to find your path is something you do at 29. Uh, it's a lot harder to do. I think we all know that. The older you get, the harder mm -hmm. that gets to do. Um, <clears throat> hiring you was one of the best decisions I've made in this company. And I say one of the best because the best one is sitting on my left. Um, 
<laughs> and having had the opportunity to work with you as closely as I have for the last three and a half years has been honestly a pleasure, a privilege, getting to know you, becoming such close friends as we have become very close in this process. And, you know, it's been wonderful to watch. It was wonderful to watch you come in. Um, I think you were just shy of your 26th birthday mm -hmm. when you came in. And, you know, not having worked in the field before. I mean, you had the education, you had the background, but you hadn't worked in the field. Yeah. <clears throat> and to see you just come in, and the first thing I said to you at the uh, Yacht Club, I think you were working here a week or two, yeah. and we were at the Yacht Club, and I, I said, you know, at some point, I would like to bring the show to video, um, you know, just keep it in the back of your head. And then within a, a week, I had a mock-up, I had a list, I had, ex Bob and I, I cannot tell you how many times Bob mm -hmm. and I sat and talked about how we were going to do that, and we couldn't figure it out. And he comes in, and within a week... And what this studio is now is pretty much what he envisioned. So, <clears throat> obviously, I'm going to miss you. Obviously, it's not going to be the same for me doing the show without you. Talk amongst yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, it's... I appreciate, you know, that you consider this one of the best decisions that you've made. No question. No and, question. Um, <clears throat> and I'll... <laughs> and the, the, the last thing I want to say, I want to make sure I get this out, because I've thought about this. What am I going to say? Um, every show that we do in this studio, regardless of whether you're here or somewhere else, Every show that is broadcast from the studio will have your hand and your heart. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. There's, there's no, there's no getting around that. That you know, I've put a, I've put a lot into this, and, um, and and I can change the walls and we can change the decor, but this will, to me, always be the studio that Dustin built. Thanks. And while there were definitely tears shed saying goodbye to Dustin. There have also, also been some laughs, none more so than the discussion about SeaWorld's killer whales as ornaments in the trees, which just kind of came out of nowhere and uh, seemed to be a very, uh, seemed to become very, very popular and got talked about a lot on, uh, on social media. So our number four moment from 2015 SeaWorld's Killer Whales in the Trees. Craig. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Got a Christmas party to talk about, and I don't want to be here till 4 o'clock. <laughs> so SeaWorld announced uh, all the dates and what's going on for their Christmas celebration. Um, it's going to be held starting November 21st, running all the way through the 31st of December on select days. Returning will be the Sea Trees. Uh, they're... Uh, their take on something like the Osborne Lights, except it's only, like, about, you know, 
maybe one-tenth of the amount of lights that they have there and just strung on some trees all around the waterfront. Uh, but it'll still dance to some music, so there's that. They hung a uh, whale from a tree? What they is did. That? Yeah, they, that's part of it, too. Um, a wondrous <laughs> night. Check <laughs> out our ornament. <laughs> you think we were bad before. What do we do now to the whales? Well, if we're going to take the egg for blackfish, we might as well start <laughs> We're going to start something. selling whale coats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> 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 Put the camera on. <laughs> oh, wondrous night. Okay. The uh, traditional Christmas story being told. <laughs> wondrous to see a whale hanging from a tree. You wouldn't oh, believe how many of those little hooks oh, you need. You've heard of the live nativity? One whale goes out to the old one. Exactly. Oh. No, I think, I think they're parallel. I don't think they're serious. <laughs> it's, it's one of the hated whales. <laughs> Wrong. It's like the live Christmas tree. All the animals come. Is this in the tree? Maybe seals. Yeah. What is that big pinata? Every once in a while. Okay. What are you on me for? Uh, to them. Nobody's talking. <laughs> Um, so you what you default to me? <laughs> so you're the host. Okay, I'll, I'll take it back over here. Uh, told from the story of the animals, the Christmas story, a wondrous night, um, winter wonderland on the ice. The whales were there. The whales were <laughs> Did there. Did the whales have a Christmas story? Uh, sheep, doves, goats, alpaca, a zebu, and camels. A what? What was that last one? A zebu. They followed the star. <laughs> uh, Elmo's Christmas wish the will also be there. <laughs> um, go ahead. Jerky. So Elmo Elmo has a Christmas? Yes, Elmo has Christmas. He will be there. Uh, He's not back on Sesame Street. Polar Express will do their... did bad things. (laughs) (laughs) Polar Express will do their normal simulator thing into the wild Arctic. Santa will be there in the... Big prize winning show that you have to see, of course, is Shamu Christmas Miracles. Happening at Shamu Stadium. Then they have to get him out of the tree. (laughs) 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 He's got to get out of the tree (laughs) and over the stadium. You can show him in the the desert. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting their money's worth out of these whales. This is going to need a wide angle of the round table. We really (laughs) do. Mm. Who started that, John? <laughs> Craig did it. There's a picture of a whale in the tree. I know, it's what I saw. Okay. <laughs> Technically, SeaWorld's fault. <laughs> yeah, let's blame them. They get blamed for everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about Christmas. So, Mickey's oh, very merry. <laughs> I haven't laughed that hard in the show in ages. <clears throat> Oh, okay. Well, that's enough <laughs> merriment for one show. Really? <laughs> Let's really? put an end to that. Thank Torture you, an endangered species, and Pete gets crazy. <laughs> really? Makes them all happy. Watch <laughs> Pete get giddy over the whales. <laughs> all right, let me let me catch myself now. Come on. All right, so so we had an opportunity to check out the first night of Mickey's very merry Christmas party. <laughs> Sorry. There were no whales involved. No whales were harmed in the making of this segment. Um, All right. Our number three moment, which I'm touched by this, my my appearance on the Universal show. Oh. Which 
kind of self-serving to like introduce, you know, <laughs> you're the number three moment. Well, well technically, I'm the number two moment as well, but we'll get to that. Um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed doing that, but you know, probably one of our funnier moments was when I told Rhino he was one easy bake oven away from being a twelve year old girl. Yes, yes, <laughs> and that kind of stuck. <laughs> It's a, that's that's the wonderful part about this is that we get to uh, we get to do that to people again picking on the new kids. Yeah. So here's a look at my my time on the Universal <laughs> Edition of the Dis Unplugged. <laughs> Talk dirty. Talk physical. I, I, Talk I, I, I don't know. Chains. I like chain lifts. Why can't we just go back to chain lifts? You're, into, you're into bondage lifts, is that what you're saying? Okay. <laughs> okay. There we go. That's what happens. Um, yep. And they're also going to replace uh, sections of the track. Uh, they're not going to change the track layout at any point, but they are going to change up some of the sec- sections of it. Uh, I, I'm done. So, Rhino, your thoughts on Nintendo? Well, I mean, I, I honestly did not think that... Um, that they were going to put Nintendo here, um, but some people made like cases for yeah, it. The, that at it was the like, Hulk? you know, well, they were saying that they'll overlay the entire Marvel area and retheme it into like the Nintendo area, and that was their way out. But I, but it's like what you said, like why would they don't need a way out? I mean, I understand the promoting, you know, competition, but they also still make a ton of money on that merchandise. I just bought a Marvel wallet there the other day. Like, it, uh, yeah, you know, that's anecdotal at best, though. The I don't know how sustainable this business model for them is going to be with Marvel, where, as I said before, with Disney doing such a, a a brilliant job with the films. I mean, these films that Disney is pumping out from the Marvel Universe are just spectacular. And the films being pumped out by other studios that had contractual rights to certain aspects of the Marvel Universe before the Disney takeover are very much not doing well. You take a look at the Fantastic Four film that just came out that was an absolute unmitigated disaster. Oh, yeah. And as long as that continues, as long as Disney continues to build that market awareness and that brand awareness, basically everybody walking into Marvel Superhero Island is going to be thinking Disney. Yeah, And I don't know that Universal wants to go too far down that road. Right now, there's a pissing contest going on between the two of them, so they're not going to cede any ground. But at some point in time, at some point in time, I don't know how soon it's going to be, but at some point in time, they're going to have to rethink whether or not they want to keep doubling down on the Marvel or if they want to move into another vein and another area that they have much more direct control over, and a better relationship with the holder of the IP. Yeah. yeah. And because right now, you know, they don't have that. They don't have a relationship. The holder of the intellectual property is Disney. Yeah. They don't have a relationship with Disney. So, <clears throat> and they are at some point going to have to respond yeah. to Star Wars and Toy Story. Yeah. They're and, going to have to respond to that. And that's a good point. There were a lot of uh, rumors circulating today that they were going to announce uh, the addition of the Jimmy Fallon-type experience. Yeah, not going to do it. Fast and Furious, no, that's... Not going to do it. Not, that's like putting a Band-Aid on a severed arm. It's just not going <laughs> yeah. to do well, anything let's, right let's be Well, let's be clear about a few things. Number one, 
Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, Disney just shut them down, and, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Disney is responding desperately yeah. to competition they did not see coming. Yeah. And so Universal has the momentum on their side. And they have a few years to keep it that way. They do. So if anyone thinks this book has been written now because Disney announced Star Wars and Toy Story, they're crazy. I know for a fact, I don't know what, but I know from people I have spoken to, there are some big things coming down the pike in the not-too-distant future. They won't tell me what they are, and it's driving me insane. Because I'm really good at shutting up about that stuff. I really am. I don't talk about it. If they tell me not to, I don't talk about it. But they won't tell me. But I know that there are some big things coming down the pike. And we're not talking about Fast and Furious, and we're not, certainly not talking about Jimmy Fallon. These are not going to be responses and if they are put forward as responses to Star Wars and Toy Story Land, then somebody's asleep at the switch. I, I do think they are going to be smart in how they handle this. Because uh, one of the articles I was reading about all this stuff was mentioning how a lot of this whole Avatar fiasco started whenever first you had um, the Wizarding World being announced, open, built. So Disney responds by announcing Avatar years and years out into the distance and that kind of started this whole we're just going to jump the gun and try to respond by saying what we're doing next well, and instead of waiting till it's a little more concrete yeah. and then going with it and Universal's best move they could do although people want them to respond right now and really go crazy the best thing they could do is just wait until they have something ready pretty ready to go Agreed. and then go for it the you know the thing with uh, with with Avatar Land the reason that it is taking so long is because Disney is not familiar with the process of having to negotiate with someone else who owns the rights to what they're building. The vast majority of what Disney puts in their theme parks, they own the rights to. In responding to Harry Potter with Avatar Land, they're having to deal with James Cameron, who was certainly not just going to let them do whatever they wanted. This is why the deal with uh, J.K. Rowling fell through with Disney. They weren't willing to give the amount of control she wanted over how this was done. And I guarantee you they are kicking themselves. And whoever made that judgment call probably lost his or her job. But Disney's not used to dealing with that. Universal is. Universal's been dealing with IP holders of their theme park attractions since the very beginning. And they're a lot more adept at it. So the things that Universal is going to have to do to respond are basically one of two things. Either another immersively themed land, whether that's an addition to an existing park or an overlay of, we were talking about Marvel Superhero Island, or more likely, and I know I'm probably alone in this assessment, a third gate. A third gate. Disney just threw $3 billion down on the table and said, do something with that. Universal's going to have to respond in kind. If they're going to keep the momentum on their side, they're going to have to announce a third gate, in my opinion, that a theme land isn't going to do it. It's not going to do it. You're going up against Star Wars and Toy Story, and you have Disney throwing everything, including the kitchen sink, at it. So you want to trump them? Open up another theme park and make that theme park an immersive theme. Oh, yeah. So where they could go with that, I don't know. I, uh, I can only just imagine Rhino screaming right now. 
I, you you have no oh, idea on, the noises he, I'm capable of when I go into those houses. He's one easy bake oven away from a 12 year old girl. So yeah, yeah. I have an easy bake oven. <laughs> <laughs> So the perch. Uh, <laughs> wish we Should had there be soap. music? And- yeah, and I was yeah, just going to well, say, I wish there was some fanfare yeah, for that. We need to get some freaking music. For- <laughs> Can you just get me those launchers they do on uh, New Year's, the ones you pop? and they- uh, A party pop? <laughs> yeah, every time uh, we do a thing, I'll just do pop one out. It'll be the saddest fanfare anyone's ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the saddest fanfare anyone's ever seen. Yeah, we can only go up from here. So... Uh, no, we're going to do our next Universal Hall of Fame on Lucy, a tribute. Now that it is closed, it will be our first posthumous attraction that we have ever done. Post before. what? Posthumous? How do you pronounce that? Posthumous. Posthumous. Post-humus. I'm like, what is it? Posthumous? I say the same way. Was that real? Okay. You know, I, I, I watch the show sometimes. I don't watch them all the time. Does this go on all the time? Yes, yes it does. Does this kind of abortion of the English language take place <laughs> yeah. in my studio yeah. on a weekly basis? Yeah. yeah. What did you call it? Posthumous. But no, you didn't you say posthumous. 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 Yeah. Posthumous. Okay. I, I, uh, oh. I actually thought that's what it was. <laughs> no. What? What was that abortion what? of the English language? <laughs> yeah, I could have been more descriptive than that, but I'm trying not to offend anybody. Um, posthumous for posthumous. I, I, I'm getting too Our old. First? I'm getting too old for this <laughs> stuff. Well, one day. twice I've been this close. You know what's funny is that um, if you weren't here, nobody would have corrected us, and we would have yeah. just kept saying it. No, I would have been back in my office watching this. And no, I, that I would have come in the door. <laughs> I would have come in the door and yelled at you. Posthumous. <laughs> um, fantastic. So, <laughs> Lucy, a tribute. He's so happy he asked me to be on the show today. <laughs> I actually am. This is turning out to be a wacky and fun show. Uh, something that I needed today after all the editing I've been doing for the past week. Um, I, well, I think the attraction itself was very true to Universal's charter about behind the scenes of how thing, how film, and in some cases television, is made. And a lot of the things that were in that Kind of talk. You were talking about the mo- the model, the mock-up of of the studio with the three-camera shoot and things like that. So I think you know this always fit in very well. I think it fits in much better than Hello Kitty. What Hello Kitty has to do with movies, yeah. or what's it have to do with Hollywood in general? What it ha- Well, what does it have to do with anything? But, yeah. um, and I know I'm sure there's can... some Hello Kitty hit squad out there now going to come after me, but um, <laughs> I. I don't know. <laughs> Hello, Pete. <laughs> well, you got the guys that are into My Little Pony. You probably got Bronies. people. Got people are in like Hello Kitty, and you know they tell me I'm gay. <laughs> um, so, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> All right, our number two moment, which is actually I think a collection of moments. Although I don't know how much we had to work with this year, but uh, you love my rants. You love my rants. And I know some of you have been uh, a little disappointed. They've been uh, fewer and further between lately, I think. Uh, Isn't that a good thing, though? You know, I, what I try and explain to people is that, you know, the rants aren't planned. They just kind of happen. And, you know, I don't know. I'm less angry now than I was like five years ago. 
I'm less angry now than I was five minutes ago. <laughs> but I, you know, it, it just, it all depends. It just all depends on how something strikes me and it's all very authentic. None of it is planned. None of it is scripted. But here's to a look back at 2015 and some of, my, some of what I guess are my more memorable meltdowns. And I talk about, I have been talking about for a while now, how Disney doesn't care about the guest experience anymore. And I can't think of a better example of it than the nonsense that went on yesterday. You know this is going to be popular. So why don't you brace for this? Why isn't there some kind of effort made to not allow these things to go on or at least mitigate them? Why does it get worse every year instead of better? And it has finally occurred to me why. They can't pull free dining because they have put it out there every year for a long time now. Free dining's been out there every year. They can't pull it. So they're going to make you so miserable trying to get it that you don't want it anymore. And I'm not being facetious here. I actually think this is what's going on. The availability yesterday was the worst we've ever seen. You can turn around and say that people have a sense of entitlement about this. And I think there is an issue with entitlement in general among Disney Park visitors. I think that's true. But let's think about for a second what entitlement means. If every time you turn around, I hand you a $10 bill. Every time I see you, I hand you a $10 bill. And you get used to that. Eventually, you're going to feel entitled to it. Not because you walk around with this overdeveloped sense of entitlement all the time, that everybody should hand you a $10 bill, but this person over here that keeps handing me a $10 bill, well, the next time I see him, where's my $10 bill? Disney created this monster. Disney created this monster. Disney also trains people to behave badly. The more you complain, the more you get. True. So they train people to have this sense of entitlement. In, In this instance... Rather than saying, having the stones, just to say, folks, no free dining this year. Because while people would be upset with that, I think they're far more upset about being left on hold for three hours and then being hung up on. Um, Or being left on hold for three hours only to have an agent not be able to do anything because their systems are crashing. Or Or trying for hours on end to get through on the Disney website only to have the system constantly fail when you get to the point where you can actually make a reservation. This is a Fortune, actually it's a Fortune 20 company. This is a Fortune 20 company here. You want to talk about volume? Look at Amazon.com. They do more volume in a day than Disney will do in a month. Their systems are always up. Look at Facebook. The largest website in the world. More traffic than any other website in the world. And if they're down for 10 minutes, it's a big deal. And they're processing far more queries, far more database interaction than Disney will ever process. So it's not that they can't do it. It's that they don't want to. And this is about their bottom line, which I respect. But it comes back to the guest experience. It comes back to the guest experience. 
for our bottom line, we want it to go like this because we don't want to sell too many of these. And we don't want to pull it back because we don't have the stones or the spine to face the backlash we're going to face. So instead, we'll just torture everybody and make them think this is out there and available for them and make it virtually impossible for them to get. Can I add on to that point? Sure. So the promotion reads, this is what really got me. The promotion reads <clears throat> available select nights August 28th through December 21st, 2015. Holy smokes. Four months. I can get free dining. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see the actual date you can get it. August 28th through October 2nd. Kids are in school. Mm-hmm. October 25th through October 31st. <laughs> so six nights in October. November 8th through November 19th, 11 nights in November, and December 15th through December 21st. So this is more of the ridiculousness of it. Oh, there, you can get it for four months. And none of those times are children off of school. Exactly. Like, it's right before Thanksgiving break. It's right before Christmas break. And look, you know, from that standpoint, I can understand those are the dates they need to. So even that, while it's annoying I and misleading... Um, I think it's bait and switch. When you I, say those, you say August 8th, 28th, December 21st, you're implying that it's four full months you can get it. Why don't they just say, you know what, do it in September? And then, But to add real insult to injury this year, you now have to buy a park hopper. I was going to mention that, too. That was the other thing. You, couldn't, you can't go with the base ticket. You've got to pay the extra money for the park hopper. Or the water park. Or the more. water park and more feature. Right. Um, just pull the damn promotion already. You don't want to sell it. You don't need to sell it. But you're too scared to face the backlash online. So you'd rather just have everybody think you're a bunch of incompetent fools who can't run a website, who can't keep a website up during a promotion that you know is coming. This wasn't a surprise to you. You knew this was coming. Yet you did nothing. Now, I either have to believe you are just brain-dead idiots who can't run, who, who can't manage a two-car funeral. Or this is intentional. And you know what? I know some of you guys. You're not brain-dead idiots. This is intentional. This is intentional. You're doing this on purpose. Because your culture has completely abandoned the guest experience. Whether it's your hotels or your theme parks or your reservations, you have abandoned the guest experience. And this is just more proof of it. Shame on you for doing it. Now, price yielding is common uh, in the in the travel industry. Uh, hotels do it. Airlines do it. This would be the first time a theme park is doing it, though, if this ever came to pass. And I think it's important to mention this was not an announcement by Disney that they're doing it. This was a survey that went out to annual pass holders that has made its way into the news. Now, you think about the number of surveys we take as annual pass holders. The fact that this is getting such attention should give Disney their first heads up that this would not be received well. Uh, Not that any price increase is ever received well, but this is particularly tough. Um, And I know some people are expecting I'm going to I'm going to rant on this and I'm not. Let's say they do it. You're still going to go. We talk about it every time there's a price increase, and everybody's up in arms. Oh, that's it. It's too expensive. I can't. I'm not going. I'm not going. And then Disney posts record attendance, record profits. So, yes, you are. So just stop it. I used to, like I said, I used to rant about this stuff all the time. 
But, and then I realized, here I am walking up to renew my annual pass. So if I'm going to walk up and I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to spend the money, stop bitching about it. Now, this, I don't know how they get, are they going to stop selling advanced tickets? Does this mean that, you know, you have to, you have to select date, you would have to select dates when, you, when your tickets would be valid? How you know this? The logistics yeah, sure. of logistics this are, are going to be impossible. There's also another conversation here too. Disney does this already. They when do. You have the option as an annual pass holder to buy a premium annual, or as a seasonal, or now they they even have for Florida residents, Epcot after but four. Or that's not what they're talking so, about. What I'm saying is th- this is in place now. So I don't see that there are this blackout dates. Right, but I see it being the same thing. If you want to buy a pass that includes all the holidays and the and the, all the busy times, the peak season. Well, I don't even think it's more. so much about, you know, with the pricing here. These price the, these prices are not for annual passes. These prices are for tickets. These prices are for standard admission mm-hmm. tickets. When they're talking about $99 for those age 10 and up, the new system could hypothetically be 105. They're not talking about annual passes. Okay. Sure, annual passes We'll jump in prices. Blackout dates may expand on certain passes, but this is about. This is to me. I read this. I'm not. I'm not thinking annual pass holders. I'm thinking. Um, well, I'm saying annual passes because it went out to annual pass holders as a survey. But I think the other thing that's important to understand too is I don't believe that there's any significant amount of people who buy a one day pass. I believe in this day and age with the with the passes that get cheaper with the more days you have, that people buy some kind of multi-day pass. But didn't we just talk about the other, or not so long ago, that they're going to do away with the um, no expiration right. date? They've already done away with it. It's already gone. Then that's not really going to be a big deal unless you're actually coming for... Which is, I think, what we're saying is that if you're going to... Well, I mean, have, right, now, right now, I can buy a seven-day pass and use it whenever I want. I can buy somebody a seven-day pass. They can use it whenever they want. Under something like this, they would have to set up a system where you have to say, I want a seven-day pass, but I want it for these dates. Or and then the price would change. Then the, or you'd have to pay for an upgrade if you want to use mm-hmm. it on those days. The logistics of that just sound really difficult to me. In terms of annual passes, if they went to a tiered pricing system, they would just simply expand the blackout dates on, on certain passes, right. introduce blackout dates on other passes, um, and I think the Premier Pass would still remain the one that you don't have to, the premium and Premier Passes be the ones you don't have to worry about blackout dates and the price would just go up. Let me go back to that, the idea of how would they control it. One of the way they would control it is in their packages. So now a package over a holiday would include that increased price in the ticket. Uh, as far as a a ticket bought and used at another time? That's another question. I don't know how they would do it, but you're probably right. It would probably have some kind of designation on it that says good for holidays and be a certain price. And if you want to go in on Christmas Eve, you're going to have to pay an upgrade. Yeah. Well, I I think the likelihood of this happening is, I'll, I'll say 40%. I'll say 40% chance they're going to go to this model. I think just... I don't even think public reaction, they're used to negative reaction every time they, they raise their prices. Every time. So I don't think that's going to have an influence on them. I think what will influence them is when they actually look at how would we implement this and how convoluted the logistics and the process would have to be to make this work. I think that would be that would keep Disney from doing it more than anything else. Unless they start attaching your credit card to your magic band. 
and they charge you as you enter the park. Well, they could do that. Oh well, that yeah. that would be that would be dead on arrival. Then that would like just be dead on arrival. Apple TV. You'd have yeah. people. Oh, you'd have man. you'd have groups of people like have burning their magic bands in the public square. You know. <laughs> um, so I, I I don't see that happening. But I said forty. You know, everybody, calm down. I think there's about a forty percent chance this is actually going to happen. There's, but this kind of political correctness drives me up a wall. It drives me up a wall because it says that the little girl who likes pink and the little boy who likes blue should not be allowed to express that because it might offend someone who doesn't. Here's the real thing. When you have a little boy who likes pink or a little girl who likes blue, maybe, maybe the reaction needs to be one of inclusiveness and support and celebration, not shame. Mm-hmm. Not intolerance, not hate, not you should be this or you should be that. That is the politically correct thing to do. Not dismiss all the people who feel a certain way because someone else doesn't. Everyone should be included. There should not be these divisions. There should not. That's the politically correct thing to do. But the idiotic way to handle that is simply to wipe everything out and create this sterile experience. And God forbid, the reason I even bring this up is because when I read something like this, knowing how sensitive and sometimes hair-trigger Disney can be on these issues, I have this fear that we're going to ride down the Jungle Cruise one day and it's basically going to be trees mm-hmm. and nothing else. No jokes. And that it is going to be a discussion of the political climate in the Congo coming from the Jungle Cruise skippers <laughs> rather than what it is now. So I will let other people um, talk. Now. I actually had a um, specific um, story that deals with the gender role um, thing these kids brought up. So I, I think they're incorrect. My um, nephew came down um, with my uh, brother and his girlfriend with her daughter um, and the mother is very much like a princess and Clara's a princess and Ryan's the king or whatever. But I have to say, we went into a gift shop and <clears throat> Ryan wanted this whole outfit to be a knight. There was a pink one right next to it. It had a pink crown. It had a pink sword, a pink shield. And I was like really we blown away by that. <laughs> well, I was like, Clara, do you want to be a, a princess knight too? And she wanted to be it too. So like it was it was really cool to see that there was – that was the first place I'd ever seen something that was like – Girls can be the warrior too, and yeah. I, I, so Disney does represent. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's pink, and it was the girls' one, but she could have taken the blue one, and Ryan could have had the the pink one. But it, you, I don't know. I just thought it was really cool that they had that male male type re- representation in the female market too. I understand something too. Disney was embracing diversity in its company and its theme parks long mm-hmm. before it was fashionable. Okay, long before a lot of other Fortune 20 companies were doing it. And they weren't, they they didn't do it at the barrel of a gun. They did it, and this is, you know, again, I criticize Disney when they're wrong, but I have to celebrate them when they're right. Disney did it because it was the the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. It was their culture. It was what they believed. They didn't want to exclude anybody. Disney absolutely, of any company in existence, could have gone the route of where quote-unquote family-friendly, which automatically excludes anybody that is a mother, father, and two kids. They could have gone that route. 
They could have trumpeted that and played that, you know, played that card, but they didn't. And they faced boycotts and backlashes. Remember when the Baptist Convention boycotted Disney mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because of their inclusiveness? And Disney didn't flinch. I Disney th- didn't flinch. And I have never forgotten that. And the company will always have my undying respect. Nobody has ever done it better, in my opinion, than Disney does it. I, I've said this in things I've written on the site before, and I said it on this show. I have experienced everything Disney has to offer in their theme parks, their hotels, their cruises. I have, I have done all of it. And I have done it all with my partner and have never, ever been treated any other way other than with respect and dignity. And that's the way it And be. a non-issue. And that is political correctness in its best form. Not this nonsense that you're teaching your children, you shameful people. This is nonsense. This is horrible. Well, as a mother, when I, you know, I had two girls and a son, um, you know, the joke was with my son, I wanted him to be an enlightened male, that there wasn't anything that he couldn't do. I mean, my daughter's got that same message, because as a mother, I used to work on cars all the time. And if somebody had ever told me that I can't do that because I'm a woman, I would have been the first one in line to go beat somebody over the head <laughs> because they said I couldn't do it. And I wanted my son to have that same thing, that if he wanted to, he's a, he's a very good cook. He also can sew and create things that my daughters can't. I never stopped my son from doing that. But when we get to the parks, that, that, to me, that's sad. I, you know, I almost want to cry that there's kids because their parents have put this in their heads. And I really think it's either that or the teachers. Disney is a place to go to, you know, suspend your what's going on in the world. You go in there, you have fun. And if some little kid's coming out and saying, mommy, mommy, you know, they called me a prince and I'm a princess. That that should just be like a, a, a passing, yeah, that's, you know. That's one cast member who decided to. You know, well, it's, it's no he, different than when somebody says to me, uh, well, sir, on the phone. It's like you <laughs> laugh about it for a second and you move on. Right. And talking about Caitlyn Jenner, I've been you know, following hers. I'm, I'm glad that the world has gotten to a place and there's still issues sure. that she can get out there and now she can be who she wants to be. She's 65 years old. Mm-hmm. I would not have wanted to live my life no. that long not being true to myself. True. So the world needs to go there. See, and what I worry about, and look, there, there is still absolutely a need to educate people on, on sensitivity toward people that are different from the norm. Mm-hmm. And we're not we're not past that, at all. No, it's it's come a long way, but we still have more to go. But at the same time, at the same time, I don't want to see something develop where a boy who likes blue and a girl who likes pink are made to feel that there's something wrong with that. Right. Yeah, right. Because a right. lot of boys like blue and a lot of girls like pink, and that mm-hmm. is every bit as wonderful as the yeah. boy who likes pink and the girl who likes blue. Yes. Exactly. It all gets celebrated. Everybody allowed to be who they are. Nobody excluded. Nobody drawn around these these false, fake, divisional lines that we create. And I'm going to stop short of going somewhere else with that because I could. And that's where I'll get myself in trouble. But that, to me, is true political correctness. That is what should be celebrated in the parks and is celebrated in the parks Mm -hmm. every day 
you may have a cast member here or there who doesn't say it right. But you know what? That's okay, too. Right. Because you know what? I'm not going to say exactly what he said, but the actor Stephen Fry has a meme on the internet from him that talks about, you know, somebody saying, I'm offended by the fact that you said that. And his, re- his response is, so the F what? You're offended. Okay. I accept that you're offended. That doesn't change anything here. That do- you know, it doesn't matter. You can be offended and the world doesn't end. Okay? When did we all get so damn sensitive all yeah. the time? <sighs> I, have, I have an opinion on political correctness, and it ties into exactly what you were just saying. And I don't know how this will go over. But... I have I have spent a lot of my time being I don't know what are we Generation Y Generation X whatever I it is. Never millennial millennial I yeah. don't know um, being thrust and into this environment and growing up into the environment of political correctness and what I'm realizing now in my life and as we're talking about this is for example these kids were quote unquote offended by the Jungle Cruise they are not people from the Congo. I'm assuming they are not black people from the Congo, yet they are offended for these people, yet they have never lived a moment in their shoes. Welcome, yes. to, the, wel- welcome to the judgmental self-righteousness mm-hmm. of extreme political correctness. And what is happening because of that is that they are assuming that somebody from the Congo would be offended by that, which to me promotes more stereotypes and promotes generalizations on their behalf right that they're assuming that someone would be offended without ever once asking somebody from the Congo if they would be offended uh, it's, a, it's a great point that you that you bring up and it reminds me of an experience I had recently um, right now there is a you know a, a big movement with the Black Lives Matter movement. <laughs> And the number of un- unarmed African Americans that have been shot by police across the country, and the discussion about it. And when I first, when this first started, when this first started, I'm just going to be honest because I think any discussion of political correctness has to involve this. Because if we can't be honest, a lot of times we're not honest because we're afraid of offending, and that shuts the conversation down. When this first started, thought that went through my head is, now there's more to this story. You were doing something. Because my personal experience is, I've never had, never had that happen. I've never had a cop threaten me or you know been targeted like that. So the police don't do that. That doesn't happen. So there must be some other part to this story. And then, because sometimes I'm not Captain Obvious, it occurred to me that I am in fact a white man. Oh, that's right. It may not have happened to me because of the fact that I'm a white man. And that maybe all of these people, all of these black people that are talking about this, they can't all be making it up. And I can only relate to what my experience is. And so if I'm hearing a story and I can't relate to it from my own personal experience, and I think this is true of all people, I think we relate to things through our own experience, then... If I can't relate to that, then I think something's up. And the realization for me was, oh, okay, maybe what I need to do is listen. 
and say, okay, no, I'm not ever going to be able to relate to this, hopefully, I pray, through personal experience. But that doesn't mean I can't listen and learn and try and expand my knowledge and my understanding of the world because the world is not just what I see. I am not self-actualized, nor is anybody watching or listening to me right now. There's always more to learn. There's always more to understand. There is not one universal truth that applies to all things and all people at all times. There are many variations. There is many variations of life as there are people living on this planet. And by being willing to listen and recognize my own limitations, recognize my own biases, recognize my own racism in some cases, by, will, by being willing to recognize that, by saying, I don't have any racist attitudes. Yeah, you know what? I'm a 50-year-old white man in America. There's no way I grow up without some of that. No way. Fortunately, in, in later generations, yeah, it's gotten a lot better. The current generation, I think, they don't see color. And I think that's magnificent. But that wasn't the case for me growing up in the 60s and the 70s. So that's just the truth. So the, but the onus is then on me to be aware of that and to challenge it and to work at being more understanding and listening and growing as a person through that. Same is true with transgender, gay, lesbian. I don't care what the label is. It's about stepping outside of what our own personal experiences are. But I, I would say that for everybody, no matter what your story is, um, be willing to listen. Because, I, you know, where I see it, my family, a lot of them were policemen. So, of course, I'm going to see it through the policeman filter. So and, is everybody looking at that? Are they understanding right. Am I gonna, that? And also, I'm not going to sit here and say all policemen are racists because right. I know many right. of them. And, you know, I, I have nothing but the highest regard for these people who make their livelihoods, putting their life on the line. Um, you know, you had that story yesterday about the state trooper who in got Louisiana. shot in the head, mm-hmm. yeah. try, stopping to help somebody. Um, these guys, these guys are on the, and I don't know what that's like. I don't know what that's like to walk into a situation w- worrying or being fearful that I'm going to get shot. I could get shot here. So, I can't judge that either, but I can say that, okay, I need to listen. Right. I need to listen and try and expand. And that is all I'm saying here is that yep. we all need to learn to speak truth and listen. Exactly. And not be afraid of that because if we can't speak truth in a loving way, in a way that is seeking knowledge and enlightenment, if we can't speak truth, then none of it will ever change. It is only by people having the courage to speak their truth, regardless of what it is. Whether it's acknowledging their own bias or acknowledging their truth as being transgender or whatever it is, it is only by people having the courage to speak that out loud and open that discussion in a loving way that seeks to make things better and enlightened does this change. It's so nice to be known for that. All right, and coming up, to our number one, your number one most memorable moment. The man who can outrant me when he's so inclined. Kevin Close. His commentary this year on wheelchairs in the parks. 
speaks volumes about who he is, speaks volumes about how passionate he is, and should remind everyone not to mess with him. So here is our number one moment from 2015. Kevin Close on wheelchairs. There was a family uh, with with someone in their party that was in a wheelchair. We were in a very long line for Space Mountain. And they had been sitting there in the area waiting for their particular vehicle to come. I swear there was a span of at least five minutes where we were way behind them and then actually boarded before they got onto their vehicle. They have to wait for a special vehicle. So everyone's all fatutzed over the fact that they got ahead of us in the line. And I think to myself, you know what? Just someday... Someday this might happen to you, mm-hmm. and you are going to realize exactly what a burden this is to people. And you know what? People accept that burden with grace, and they go through the parks, and they make the best of what they can do. No one's begging to get ahead of you. No one's demanding to get ahead of you. Just just be human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, she makes the really good point, too, that you can never tell who actually is ill and, and who isn't. it doesn't isn't. matter. Right. It doesn't matter. Right. If it's not your... Right. It's none of your business if it's not and your family. Here's the deal. On the outside chance that the person does think they're getting ahead of you and they're being slick about it, deal with it. Right. You exactly. know what? For the small amount of times that's actually true... Right. You could you could make a difference in someone's day. You could make a difference in someone's illness. You could make a difference to the family that is dealing with that illness. Mm-hmm. We talked about just this be when, human. When Jack was on the show, and we talked about the families with autism who were uh, suing Disney World because they changed the policy with fast passes. And I said, you know, I don't care. I think for to make it easier on folks who have a problem or an issue or something they have to overcome. It's worth it to put up with whatever small amount of people who cheat are doing. And I realized there was that whole thing about people were selling it and, you know, buying front of the line access. And that stinks. And they're rotten and they're horrible, horrible people. And hopefully eventually they'll get caught. But in the grand scheme of things, let's make it easier for the folks who really need it. Every once in a while, I have to rent a scooter because I have a bad knee. And you will not believe the comments. It usually revolves around my weight. I'm fat, so I need a scooter. And I need a scooter because I'm fat. I just want you to know, if I'm in the park and you make a comment to me, be prepared. I'm going to embarrass you and your family. Hopefully I can make you cry. <laughs> if you cool. have any questions, come up and see me. You won't like the response. It's, Get well, over yourself. Well, and you made the really good point. It's not any easier. It's certainly a lot harder to navigate the parks in a wheelchair or on a scooter. Because there's always that family that walks in front of you, and the father and the son are one step ahead of you, exactly. and the mother and father and the mother and daughter will walk right in front of a moving scooter. Because gosh forbid they get four feet ahead of you. Yeah. And you know something? Scooters don't have brakes. Scooters have the ability to stop because you take your hand off the little power button. Get over yourself. Not only that, but if you think about the instances when, like, you're in the hub and the fireworks are over and there's that massive bottleneck trying to exit the park, you can't make turns. People don't let you in. Um, it's really, if really you difficult. Think, if you're one of those people that makes snotty comments to people, rent a scooter and tell me how fun you had, what a fun day you had. Just try it. And if you don't like what I'm saying, I don't care. Get over yourself. Be human. I think the thing that shocked me most about this email was how she explains how the CMs treated her son. And that's what I find almost the most disheartening, I think. Um, 
the CMs climbing over her son and nobody making room for them to get. You know, it's tough because, you know, unless you experience something like that personally, I, you know, again, going back to my experience with Disney, I went through traditions and part of my traditions training was, was how to, uh, address guests with disabilities that someone in a wheelchair, you don't speak over them and you Mm -hmm. don't speak down to them. It's just the way it is. So for cast members to treat a guest like that, it's just awful. Um, I'm glad we were able to add it to the give kids the world meat section because, you know, hopefully we know that Give Kids the World, not hopefully, we do know that Give Kids the World makes things easier for families traveling with folks with disabilities, kids with disabilities. So, and I just want to add something because Ferris, ever since we know, you know, we know Skip Potter and he, he rides in a wheelchair. So Ferris views people in a wheelchair as people that he wants to talk to and, and get to know cause, because of Skip. And so anyone that we see wherever we go, like when he sees a wheelchair, he like makes a beeline for it. And so it's... I think it's really cool because usually the parent, if it's a child, like he runs over and he's like, hi, and he just kind of looks at him. (laughs) And so I'm like, hi, I'm like, this is Ferris. You know, I'm like, he really likes wheelchairs. I'm like, we have a friend that rides in one and said, so anyone in a wheelchair is really cool to Ferris. And that usually makes the parent, especially makes their day, you know, Mm -hmm. and usually the child, if they're verbal, will say hello back to Ferris or talk to him. Um, Adults too, especially because that's you know, a little small child, especially if it's an older person, they just get a kick out of that. But going about the talking over people, I find that people do that with adults with Down syndrome, too. They tend to talk to the parent mm-hmm. or the a person who doesn't have a disability instead of talking directly to that person. And that hurts me. Like when people don't talk to Ferris or don't talk to like you guys know our friend Brittany who loves conversation and loves to talk to people, mm-hmm. it hurts my feelings. So yeah. I totally get what you're saying about all of that. My mother used to scream at people, my legs don't work. My brain and my mouth work fine. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure it comes from a place of people not feeling um, comfortable. comfortable and not knowing how to deal with the situation. But, but that's not person. an excuse. Exactly. <laughs> just sitting in a it's chair. It's not an excuse. <laughs> right. um, the effort needs to be made. They are a person. They do have brains. They can engage. And if they can't, the person with them will usually say, listen. Step in, yeah. You know, you might not get a response, but thank you, kind of thing. Just assume that the person in a wheelchair, in a scooter, knows what you're talking about and can answer you. Yes. All right, so that will do it for your top 10 moments from 2015 on our show. Coming up next week, I'm going to share my personal favorite moments from the year that'll be an audio only solo show although we will put the audio up on youtube so look for that next week december 29th so with that want to say from all of us here at the Diz unplugged and dreams unlimited travel we hope you've enjoyed your year with us we look forward to seeing you again in the new year but most of all we hope you have a safe happy healthy holiday So from all of us, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Goodbye, everybody.